Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, hailing from Kakana, Wisconsin, riding a CST Tires SSI decals traveling back Yamaha YFC 450R, four-time ATV Motocross National Champion, number 25. Cody Jensen. What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Welcome to episode 65 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase and in stock today at shop.csttires.com. And we have an epic highly anticipated episode for you tonight. The history of ATV racing cannot be told without the inclusion of Corey Ellis. During his professional career, which started in the early 90s and concluded in the mid-2000s, Corey Ellis pioneered ATV racing into the future multiple different times. He competed against every professional ATV national champion in the sport's history, from Gentry and Denton to Weenan, with the only exception being Joel Hetrick, and Corey is connected to just about everyone in ATV racing past and present, making this episode and the following episode a can't-miss ATV racing history extravaganza. Corey Ellis is a legend, an icon, and a pioneer, and it didn't take long after we sat down with Corey to realize that there was no way this was going to be a one-episode conversation. So you hear the first half of this two-part show in the episode ahead, and we'll plan to drop part two with Corey Ellis in the next few days prior to the ATV Motocross national championship banquet but let me tell you right now this is some of the best content we've ever produced here at digging deep so get excited let's give a quick shout out to our sponsors and remember that these companies are prioritizing valuing and supporting atv racing with the support of our show so if you like what we're doing the best thing that you can do is support these great companies Major thanks to CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Numira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Lunderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock. They're no hair trimmer is amazing and their brand new lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer is next level it's no longer a secret that manscaped is my go-to for keeping a perfect beard the lawnmower 4.0's light guard and array of adjustments makes it the perfect package i've been absolutely loving this thing and you will too so check out manscaped i wish i would have sooner get 20 percent off with free shipping by using code digging deep 20 at manscaped.com support all these great companies that support us and for any products that fall through the cracks click that rocky mountain atbmc banner on our website to help us out as we transition into the off-season, we both know you need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear or parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. But before you buy, simply click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website, and by accessing Rocky Mountain from our specific link, you get all your gear and parts needs met, while we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end. This is such an easy and convenient way to help us out. So click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner at diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out, while satisfying your gear and parts needs 
needs this offseason. We can't thank you enough for that. Shout out to Justin Branham for his most recent donation and his reoccurring support of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Justin also earned himself a Jeffrey Rastrelli autographed jersey for his performance in Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy this past season. I can promise you, you won't want to miss playing ATV Fantasy with us in 2022. Thanks again, Justin. And for anyone else interested in donating, you can find the Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee donation links on our website if you're interested in donating to support our efforts. Thanks so much, guys. Now, the 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys, tonight's guest is one that so many of you have anticipated for a while and one I've been excited about for some time now, so I don't want to wait another moment to introduce this ATV racing legend. Brought to you by our friends at Yamaha and their podium-proven industry-leading Yamaha YFZ450R. For more info on Yamaha's full off-road lineup, visit YamahaOutdoors.com, YamahaBlueCrew.com, or Yamaha Outdoors on social media today, making his highly anticipated debut here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is a man you can't tell the story of ATV racing without. ATV racing pioneer and legend himself, say hello to Mr. Corey Ellis. Corey, thanks so very much for being here with us. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on here. You know, I listen all the time and it keeps me in tune with what's going on at the nationals, you know, even though I can't be there as much as I, as I want to be, that's for sure. Yeah. You and I chatted a few different times about getting you on here and it's, uh, it's awesome to, to finally make this happen. And, and so many of our fans and listeners have been clamoring for us to get you on. Uh, I think since we started digging deep, well, thanks for having me. <laughs> So, uh, so we're going to tell your story here on this episode, Corey, and, um, man, you were around for a really long time in the sport. Uh, you saw a bunch of huge changes take place throughout your tenure, obviously in ATV racing. So I'm super stoked to dive into your career and, uh, for you, it's like, it's gotta be fun to talk about and relive the glory days. I would think. Yeah. You know, um, it's funny. I, I think, I feel like I was there a long time sometimes. And then I, mm-hmm. I look back now, you know, like Chad winning eight championships and I'm like, you know, geez, the last time I went to it, last time I went to a national, I mean, I'm trying to think, um, it's been a couple of years now, mm-hmm. but I mean, for how long like Chad's been going now, it's like, I, I feel like I've been out of it kind of for, for a long time, even though I felt like I was there a long time, you know, mm-hmm. I think definitely, you know, when I was there, that was probably my, my time there, you know, like with, like with Doug and Timmy and you know, a lot of other people that there was just a huge change from when, I started going to the nationals till when I left. I was just, you know, since then it's been pretty consistently, you know, um, production bikes and things like that. So there hasn't changed a whole lot since then, but I mean, from the time I started till the time I left, it was, it was nine day difference. I mean, whether it was, whether it was bikes, riders, um, you know, and just the factories. I mean, there was so much stuff that just came, came and went and stayed, you know, some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so. when you, when you started, like when you got into it and we'll get into this as, as we tell your story here, but when you started, like it was at the basically like pretty close to the very beginning of this whole thing of ATV racing. And by the end, you know, it was the, the factory heyday of all the semis and everything else. So, uh, yeah, you saw, you saw like every era, uh, you've raced everybody. Um, so that's why 
I think that your, your story is so cool and you have so many stories to tell. Uh, but before we go back to the beginning of the story, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about um, things here in the, the here and now in the present, Corey. So how is life? Uh, you're working at GBC, I know. Um, how are things there? And, and what else are you up to these days? Um, so I've been working at GVC, um, power sports tires or green ball corporation is the parent company for about 10 years now, 10 and a half years. Okay. Um, so that's been, that's been cool. It's, uh, you know, when I started working there, I kind of barely knew who they were. They sponsored WPSA, but I didn't really even realize it, you know, and when I started there, uh, actually Wes Miller is the one who told me they were hiring and got me the interview kind of, and. Okay. And I got the job there as a sales guy. And then I went in, it was, you know, I didn't know what I was kind of doing at the time. And as far as what I was going to do with my life at that point, a little bit. Right. Yep. And, uh, and when I got there, you know, they like, I was like, Hey, you know, I, I've done race support. I've done this, I've done that sponsorship and all this other stuff. And it kind of just snowballed. And, and now, now I'm, um, just kind of trying to think of my title. It just got changed again. Okay. I'm director of GBC Motorsports, so okay. kind of oversee everything on that that side. But but we wear many hats. We're not a huge we're not a huge corporation, so I I do a lot of stuff. So like yesterday, we were uh, out shooting. Um, we have a light truck line that's that's under our um, corporate umbrella, um, Kanai Tires. So yesterday we were out at San Hollow shooting Jeep stuff for for a TV show, um, all day. And then today we're going to go out and shoot some side by side stuff, you know, plus all my emails and writer support and everything else I'm trying to do. So I got my hands full, um, but it's been good. It's grown quite a bit. Um, the company's grown quite a bit since I've been there and Mm -hmm. it's been a, it's been a really awesome ride so far. That's awesome. Uh, I was prepared to touch on this later, um, when we got, you know, kind of more to the end of your story, but, uh, but, um, that that's everybody's dream, right? Is to kind of find a, a job within the industry so you can use all the stuff that you learned inside the industry and in, in doing this racing thing for 20 years uh, to be able to bring that to your professional life. And you know, sponsorship, you know, you know, the industry, you know, tires, and now you're doing just about a little bit of everything. Like that is kind of everybody's dream because like you just touched on 10 years ago, uh, you kind of didn't know what path you were going to be on. Um you know, then you, then you find your way into this and you can use everything you learned. Like that makes so much sense, but that's a, that finding yourself and how you're going to take all those talents and, and bring it to the the workforce or a job is a tough thing to figure out. So it's awesome that you found a way to utilize all that. Yeah. It's, you know, um, and I would say typically almost all industry jobs don't pay the best, mm-hmm. but it's, if you have a passion for it, it makes up for it on that side of it for sure. So, I mean, it's something I love and I've always done. I've always been into the racing stuff. So my passion's there for it, you know, but I'm probably not, if I owned a concrete company or something, I'd be making a lot of money, (laughs) but it has, it has its positives and negatives, you know, being in the industry, a lot of people in the industry don't, don't make a ton of money, but Mm -hmm. they enjoy what they do. So that's, you know, like going out yesterday, like I said, and, you know, off-roading all day. And today, you know, after I get some work done, we're going to go out and off-road today. So it's kind of like, you do have some freedom and you have some fun, fun side on that stuff, but it's also still some work. Well, there's, there's a, there, there's some worth or whatever in enjoying what you do. And that's exactly what you're yeah. getting at right now. Yeah. So to yeah. you're working nine to five and hating your life while you were doing it, like that's not worth anything to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My wife would probably want me to have a nine to five job because I'd be home, <laughs> home a little more, but hey, that's the other thing. Yeah. That's the other thing about an industry job is like it never shuts off when you're in a role like that. Like it's all day, every day. Yeah. It's eight o'clock at night and people are calling me and texting me and 
mm-hmm. or you know, or it's a Saturday or Sunday. She's like, turn your phone off, and I'm just like, well, I'm trying to get something done. It's so, you know, you know, like last weekend, it's GNCC final, and yeah. I'm watching the race, and she's like, it's Saturday. I'm like, I'm trying to watch the race, you know, and see who wins the championship <laughs> and this and that, and you know, so it, it's. It has it has positive and negatives for sure. But hey, yeah, not other, only not only that, but the the work you don't get done on Saturday or Sunday, it's just more work on Monday. Like that's how I look at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the best part. It just never stops. <laughs> so, uh, so talk about, um, and I didn't plan on touching on this either, but GBC has Walker Fowler, and that had to be a huge thing for you guys. Yeah, that um, the Walker thing kind of. We, we sponsor Heartland Challenge. Um, it's a 10-hour endurance race in, in Iowa. Um, been doing it, I think, geez, now 12, 13 years, something like that. Um, and Walker's been coming, and, you know, um, Maxis was paying him, I think, to come and be the Maxis guy there and stuff. But yeah. the Walker, Walker, you know, Johnny, Johnny Gallagher, I, you, can't, you can't talk about GBC without talking about Johnny Gallagher for one thing, too. Mm-hmm. Johnny's been our trackside rep. Um, he's been there a little longer than I have. And Johnny just bleeds GBC. He's an awesome guy. He knows everybody. You know, and him and Walker would team up at at uh, at, at um, Heartland. And um, you know, we got to know Walker. And far as our company, because we always had the owner would go come to the race, um, our salespeople to the race, and we just we'd always bring a lot of a lot of employees to the race just so they can see what we actually do you know, and what's going on. And, um, everybody kind of fell in love with Walker and Walker is just, you know, how Walker is. I mean, if you know, if you've met Walker, you know, Walker, and he's just, mm-hmm. he's a great guy and everybody kind of fell in love with him. and his, his contract was, was expiring and, you know, um, things always change, you know, with sponsorship, sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. And, mm-hmm. and, and basically, you know, it was a big, a big, uh, big commitment for us. And, but it came down to, I think more than anything that that the owner loved Walker and just like I just want to have him. Like it was, it was like I just love the guy. Let's let's just you know he's part of our family. Felt like already. So like let's just bring him in. And mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a really good fit. You know, um, Walker's an awesome guy, great spokesman. Yeah. Plus he goes out and wins a lot too. So right. So well, it, it was a, it was a good it was a good deal. You know, and we've had him now. I think this is the fourth year we've we've had Walker and you know, fourth championship in a row and he's on a, you know, seven run championship right now. So it's, he's doing awesome. Yeah. Good guy to have, obviously. And the one thing yeah. about Walker, like not only does he win, not only is he one of the greats, obviously, but he knows how to promote his sponsors and it's like relatively authentic. Like he just does a really good job. And there's some guys out there that you could probably spend the money to have, you know, whoever in GNCC, there's nobody bigger than Walker. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, um, but there's guys that you could sponsor winning races or whatever in other disciplines, obviously, and I'm not saying ATV racing, but that wouldn't necessarily be the, the spokesman you want them to be. And Walker like is the entire package. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's people like, um, especially we do a lot of side-by-side stuff too. Okay. And there's, there's people out there that, you know, may win a lot of races, but they're, they're the worst with promoting themselves. And you, and mm-hmm. we've got people that promote so good and they, and they might not finish half the time. And it's like, sometimes you're like, I'd rather have that guy that doesn't finish, but is out there bleeding my product and talking Absolutely. to people in the pits. And the yes. guy just wins and just turns around and walks away from the fans or mm-hmm. has an attitude. So, yeah, I mean, 
no matter no matter if you're a side by side guy, ATV guy, or I mean a professional bowler or anything, if you're if you're not, I mean that's you know, that's why you know John was so great Tally because like you said, oh he said no, people's champ, you know, and mm-hmm. the kids loved him. I mean he just he would he John always took time with everybody, and that was was one of the really awesome things about John was he you know especially I think later in his career um, you know the second half of his career, he really became familiar with that and made the time for those people. And that, that was, what was awesome to see. I, I don't, I think at the beginning he was more a little hot headed and, you know, out there <laughs> yeah. to win. And, you know, he was still a nice guy, but I think in that second half, he really became, he really grew up and became a, became more of a personality and, and people, you know, walk up and talk to him. And that makes a lot, that makes a big difference no matter who you are. If you're, if you're a pro or even if you're an amateur out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knew how to play the card of, you know, that people's champ thing. So as that kind of progressed and it gained more and more momentum, he powered into it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I tell people, so he had it, I mean, he had it figured out 10 years ago now, like I tell people like in 2021, you know, the on-track performance is really only a piece of the puzzle, you know, like, yeah. like what you bring to the table with your show, social media, with your promotion, with what you do at the track, with people you talk to and fans and brand awareness and all that stuff. Like that is literally just as important as if you're winning on the weekend, like that. I mean, like you said, like winning might not even be the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm like, I wish social media was a little heavier when we, when, when I was, you know, racing, you know, heavy yeah. and other times I think about the stuff that we did off track. And I'm like, I'm glad <laughs> there's no social media, you know? I mean, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of stories out there. We had a, we had a lot of fun back in the day. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. But yes, like, uh, people have that, uh, promotion, uh, you know, kind of device or they have that ability at their hands, like at their fingertips yeah. today with social media. Um, it's just how serious you're going to take it. So when somebody, I'm sure like you're, you're taking resumes or whatever, and there's people that, you know, want the world and don't want to do anything in return. And that's just not how it works. Like you need to be willing yeah. to, you know, do this, that, and everything for somebody when they're going to sponsor you because sponsorship is dollars coming out of GBC's pocket in hopes yeah. that that sponsored rider is going to help promote sales. And I don't think that enough people I don't think enough uh, enough people take that seriously enough. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's for sure. That's a that's a very good point. How it is these days, you know, you really got you really have to do a lot of self promotion, and it it means a lot. You know, that goes a long ways. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that everybody, uh, feels like they're owed something, but that's a topic for another day. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get into the racing pal. So, yeah. uh, take me back to the very beginning. How were you first introduced to ATVs? Um, I'm trying to think I had, I had a little mini dirt bike for a little bit. Okay. And then my, my neighbor, my neighbor is about five years older than me. He got a 250R. I think it was a, it had to be an 87 250R or an 86. Okay. And that thing was just the coolest thing to me. And so I was like, I need a quad. My parents got me an LT80. And uh, we, had, we had some, I lived, in, I lived in Washington State and we had some um, logging roads by our house. And we'd ride the logging roads and stuff. And then my parents started taking me out a little bit more. And my dad got tired of watching me. So he ended up buying a LT250. And, and then I had another friend, you know, I was riding that 80. And then I started riding the 250 because I was, I was like, 10 years old riding the LT80 and I was huge on the thing and I kept breaking axles and stuff. So okay. anyways, my buddy took me to a local hair scrambles race or, or it was basically a dirt circle track, but with like a roller in it. It's kind of a TT thing. Okay. 
And uh, I just saw saw him racing quads, and I'm like, I got to do this. So I went home and talked to my dad, and next race we were out there on a – I was, I was riding the 250 a bunch then. I was like 10 years old, almost 11, I think. And I went out there and raced a LT250, you know. And so I just kind of fell in love with them. Like, well, we got to do this all the time. And mm-hmm. all, most of the races were AMA, and I wasn't old enough to race uh, race 250. So we, that summer, um, we went and bought a RM80, took the motor out of it, and put in an LT250 chassis so I could go race AMA <laughs> and race some flat track stuff. Oh, my god! You know? So, uh yeah. The flat track, I didn't have much fun. I always like kind of jumping and stuff. So we yep. went to a we went to the you know, flat track. We went to is indoor, and they would change the track every weekend. They would build an arena cross track for the next weekend. So we're like, oh, let's go do arena cross. And as soon as I raced out, I'm like this is awesome. Let's go more races. So we raced arena cross that winter, and then when summer came, we started riding motocross. You know, and it just kind of just it went from there, and it just snowballed. Rode that snowballed rode that 80 for a couple years and then uh finally got i think it was about 13 or 14 uh, there was no ama for motocross so it was all just you know un- kind of unsanctioned so i could ride 250 so we started riding 250 then i was about 13 14 okay so so, so so it all happened pretty fast though like you went from from riding to racing to being on a 250 right away it, it kind of all happened yeah. fast i knew you were a uh, uh pacific northwest guy uh did that like i always felt like you were a good mud rider did that have anything to do with that or would you have called yourself a good mud rider i i honestly i think i was a horrible mud rider <laughs> <laughs> i hated the mud i think it might have been growing up in the mud like this local series that when i first a place i first raced at the big thing that they had is they had like if you won the championship, you got like a six foot trophy. Okay, like, I, I remember I remember that being a, a big thing locally here when I was a kid too. Yeah, and it was like you know, and you had to run almost all the races to get to win the championship. So mm-hmm. it's it's Pacific Northwest in the winter; it freaking rains nonstop. <laughs> so I mean, half the races were just mud bogs. I mean, it was just horrible. But you know, I, and I got to the point, I think I just, I got tired of the mud. I was just like, I hate the mud. And I felt like I never did good. Like at nationals, I felt like I never did good in mud. I, I just, cause I just despised it. I just hated it by then, you know, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting growing up in the Northwest. And that was, you know, that was partly why I ended up moving to California later on, later on was cause the year I moved, it rained like, a, I think they, it was the, rainiest year ever i think it was 156 days of in a row of measurable rain oh my gosh that is ridiculous yeah and luckily the place that i practiced at was a where they dredged the the columbia river and it was sand so i could go i just basically put my gear on leave my house go over there unload my bike and put in a couple motos in the rain in the sand and then load back up and go home and take my gear off and you know (laughs) That that's thing. yeah that's that sucks the fun out of it pretty fast, Corey. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so so as we uh, as we start to transition into you, like because you move uh, south to to California or whatever. But if my memory serves me correctly, and I don't know if it would have been at this time yet, but you were connected with Legger uh, almost from the very start, right? So tell me how that happens because again, like you were a Legger guy forever. Yeah. So what happened was. Um, so I started racing the Mickeys back in 92 is the first year I went. And right when we started Mickeys, I think it was before we started Mickeys, I broke the bike I was riding. I just trashed the, the frame on it. Just finally just 
disintegrated all at once on that LT250. Okay. And, and about that time, JP Racing, um, which was an aftermarket chassis company, which eventually became Lone Star. Yep. Um, they started making an LT250 frame and everything. So I was like, well, let's just buy that. And it's going to last forever. We'll just run that. Okay. So we bought that and went to start racing the Mickeys. And I think I raced two races in the next year in 93, I think it was 92, 93. Um, we went to the first Mickey's and, and Mark Ligger's there with this chassis on display and look at the bike I had. And then you look over at this Ligger bike, like the JP one. Yeah, it was, it was way better in stock, but you look at the Ligger bike and it was like the welds were better and like sure. and pretty much everybody started kind of riding him. It was like, man, that thing's awesome. Well, throughout that season, um, my parents kind of became friends with Mark and Susie and we started kind of hanging out at the races and we ordered a frame like halfway through the races and it took a while to get one. So we built a, we built a Ligger bike that off season. And, and as we went to more races, my parents and them, my parents and Leggers became really good friends and started going out. Like they went to like a NASCAR race together and kind of became friends like that. Sure. Well, that year rained. I was like, I got to get out of here, you know, and I was, and pretty much was like, you know, and I don't know how it came up, but Mark was this, and Mark is, or I was probably Susie more than Mark, but Susie's like, come down, you know, because Eichner did the same thing. Eichner came down from Pacific Northwest uh, to work for Mark. Okay. You know, and kind of made okay. that transition. So I did the same thing and they had, they had a uh, above, so their shop at the time was like a, probably a 3000 square foot shop behind their house in Valley center, California. Okay. And in the attic, they had this, like this single storage room, but it had a shower and it had a sink in it. And they're like, you can just live up there for free and, and work for us. And I was like, all right, sweet. So I just packed up a, my, my car and a flat little flatbed trailer. I think I had a quad, a dirt bike and a jet ski on it, my toolbox. And I moved to California like that. And I lived in the attic, you know, above the shop for sure. Yeah. For, for two years and worked for him. And I went there to kind of learn how to weld and stuff. And that never happened. <laughs> I ended up just being like the, the shipping, shipping assistant, I guess, for Susie. And I would, you know, check over all the frames and everything when they, when they got done getting a weld to make sure there's no pinholes and all the tabs are on it. And there's the right thing sure. for the order sure. before I went to powder coat and it come back. I'd prep it all for, you know, tap all the holes, get boxed up the frames, box up the arms, you know, put all the bushings in the arms, hone the swing arms. Everything just basically when everything came back from powder coat, I prepped everything, boxed everything, and then Susie would ship it. Okay. So yeah. I ended up working there, I think about three years. They ended up moving to Temecula. Um, and then I moved out, got an apartment because they sold their house and all that stuff. And sure. So yeah, yeah I worked for them for a few years. So <laughs> it was a definitely a learning curve. Um Mark, Mark is a, Mark's an awesome guy. I love Mark. I love Susie. Mm -hmm. um, but Mark, Mark definitely does things his way, but working with, I mean, you probably know you worked with your dad. I'm just assuming for a little bit. Yeah. I worked, I worked with my dad growing up and we butted heads. So working for Mark wasn't too bad. <laughs> a lot of people complain, but it wasn't as bad as working for your family. Right. Yeah. No, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, but 
yeah, like that had to be a pretty cool thing for you. Cause you're, you know, you're living in the shop, you're around like legendary legger things, right? Like yeah. uh, when I think of legendary quads, I mean, leggers at the top of the list for all kinds of, all kinds of quads throughout the years. Uh, so to be around that, and then um, I'm probably like subconsciously the stuff that you learned in those three years to just take to the knowledge you're using throughout your career. And to this day, like that had to be huge for you. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely an awesome learning experience. You know, I mean, move, moving to, you know, moving to a different state and kind of not knowing really anybody at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, then working there and, you know, seeing stuff get built and how things get built and kind of understanding that, you know, stuff is definitely helped kind of round my, my, my racing education, I would say, you know, out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like like you said, there was a lot of cool stuff. You know, um, Mark, you know, built like an XR six fifty for some ba- you know for Baja guys. I think like like maybe like Shane hit and Tim Far rode it. You know, back okay. in the day, Baja, and just there was a lot of a lot of one off bikes that got built here and there um, that were cool to see and amazing guys did because like you said, kind of at that time that was you know that was before Walsh. That was you know. Mm-hmm. Before a lot, you know, I mean, there was some people out there too, but not kind of the companies that are the big companies now, you know, there was no JB and, and stuff like that. So yep. Ligger was kind of the pinnacle of the aftermarket chassis stuff other than um, maybe Doug Roll, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. Doug Roll, I think kind of didn't have the production that Mark had and not that Mark had a big production, but, you know, Doug was making, I think, you know, half a dozen chassis a year and Mark was turning, you know, two or three chassis a week you know, plus all the front ends and spindles and all that stuff. So it was such a big advancement from the stock bikes. You know, it, it was, it was cool being there for sure. And there's a lot of people that worked there that, you know, went on to, you know, like Eichner, Eichner worked there, um, Scott Butler, mm-hmm. you know, he was, you know, Angela, Angela Moore's mm-hmm. ex-husband, you know, yep. that's how they all met and everything. I mean, yep. there's a lot of people that good fabricators that worked there and did a really awesome job. Yeah, that was part of the industry. Yeah, that was just such a legendary time that the the I mean there was 10, 15 years, 20 years there where just Lager was just pumping out cool stuff, it seemed like every day. So uh that was pretty rad. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft comp on rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you... CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep 8TV MX podcast. 
whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Weenan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, short course off-road trucks, UTVs, snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship-winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength to weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship level edge. DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Weenan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or a reputable online e-tailer. DID what drives you. We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side -side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, 
Visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, Pistons with an Attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. 4Works Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. But you just connected like all the dots for me because I was going to ask you, um, you know, I knew that that was the heyday of the Mickey Thompson Stadium Cross Series racing. I know I posted one of those pictures like last week or whatever. Um, and I was going to ask you to connect the dots for me from, you know, being kind of like this, you know, rising amateur to throwing your hat in the ring against pros right at the at the Mickey Thompson races. And I'm pretty sure you almost did that right away, right? Like it, you didn't spend very much time racing amateur races at the Mickey Thompson stuff. Yeah, you know, um, when I was in Washington or Pacific Northwest up there, you know, Eichner was the guy to be, you know, he would just school everybody for a long time. And I, I'm, you know, you know I, I mean, kind of like, I think happens a lot. People move up really, really quick, you know, and you get in the pro class, you're like, oh, wow. And local pro is so different than anywhere else, you know, <laughs> I mean, unless, unless you're somewhere where you know, you might get two or three national guys, but Mm-hmm. Like Northwest and even in California, kind of that time, um, Northwest, I mean, it was like Eichner and there was, you know, Keith Marks and a couple in Elkins brothers and a couple people that were pretty fast up there. But it was a, when you went to the Mickey's, it was a whole nother level. Sure. You know, and when I moved, it wasn't because like, oh, I need to get better. I was just trying to get out of the rain morning <laughs> and, find, and find something to do, you know. Um, sure. But when I, but when I moved, you know, that was, I moved in 97 is when I, the beginning of 97 is when I moved. So the, the Mickeys were done by then. I was, I was already racing nationals, but, okay. um, but the, the Mickeys thing, yeah, like you said, I, when I, when I, I barely turned pro and the Mickeys at the time, cause that was, you know, they'd go to Seattle and then watch, you know, I think I went one year and watched all of them. And I was like, you know, this is like the next level. I got to go do it. There was no, there was no nationals. There was no, I'm going to go ride a class or any of that. It was just like, okay, I'm a local pro or I'm going to, I want to be a local pro. And the next big thing is go to Mickey's because the nationals are East coast. And that's like, at the time was, I was too far away. Oh, that's a world away back then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, like the Mickey's were promoted so much better. The magazine coverage is better. Every once in a while you'd see a Loretta lens or muddy Creek or something in the magazine, but every Mickey's was in the magazine at the time that's like how it was magazines, you know, mm-hmm. there was no social media. So you got all your information from the, from the magazines and it was all about Mickey's pretty much. Yeah. So when the Mickey's came, I was like, I got to go ride that. So the first year I went and rode it, I was 15 years old. I had to go get my, you had to, you had to have either be 16 or have your learning learner's permit to drive to be okay. able to race. The Mickey's. <laughs> so I went and got my learner's permit just so I could go so race, you could go racing. Yeah. So I could go racing. I was 15 years old and I barely qualified for the first one. 
Okay. Um, it was a mess. I ran my leg over like right off the start in the main. I got like second to last or something, but I didn't care. I was like, I made the, I made the show, you know, which at the time, you know, if you made the show, that was a huge deal. If you made the night program, it was like you were almost somebody instantly Sure. at that yeah. time because there were so many fast guys around that thing. Yep. So I, ra- I raced one more that year. Then the next year we go, we're going to ride the whole series. We went to the first race. It was a mud, mud race. I don't think they even had qualifying. I qualified. I did okay. And the next race was uh, Seattle. And I, I started, I think, seventh or eighth. And I got up to like third or something, I think. And then they inverted for the main event. I was on the front row and kind of got screwed up and ended up, ended up at a split lane. Ended up taking the right side on the, the, right, the right lane on the split lane because they changed the track for the main event a little bit because of okay. once it was so lopsided and sure got got out front led led the whole thing after like two laps and won my first mickey's my third race so kind of went from just being yeah a kid qualified that's pretty good yeah you know he's somebody to all of a sudden win in a you know win in a race third race in right it was the week after i turned 16 so right so you're 16 you win yeah. your you win your first like pro race um of the mickey thompson series there you're racing professionals like what was that like at that time uh because like that had to be that had to be almost like startling for you i guess is what i'm getting at yeah you know i mean it it definitely was it was like it was a mud race too but yeah i hated mud races but it was it was it was muddy but it kind of wasn't muddy it wasn't like a mud bog but it was pretty one line so if you got up front and held your line you're pretty good yeah like tacked um, up yeah. tacked, tacked up at like night or whatever like we've all yeah. seen those racetracks yeah 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 but it was you know it was crazy it was crazy because like i mean First off, I'm riding a Suzuki, and there's like two people out there other than me riding a Suzuki. So you already stand out a little bit, but uh-huh. then you go out and win on a Suzuki, and everybody's like, "What the heck?" You know. <laughs> so, I mean, pe- people took notice pretty quick just just because it was. I think also I was so young and new, but plus I'm on a Suzuki too, so I was kind of an oddball. Yeah. So I'm glad time. I'm glad you're touching on that though, because like so this is '93. You're on the the LT250, and so many people when I posted that picture wanted to hear about that quad. They're like, "Oh, I have them talk about the 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 JP250." Uh, it it just so, uh, it, it's crazy to even like like because that's before my time. I was born in '92, yeah. so like yeah. when I saw you, I'm like, "Was he really around to to ride an LT250?" Like I didn't even know that until last week. Yeah, so that that JP bike, like I said, I had a stock bike. I just it it pretty much. I think I went to like Dune Fest or something in, in Coos Bay, and me and my buddy were jumping our quads, and I'm on a stock LT250, and pretty much the whole frame just collapsed on the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we need to buy something, so we bought a JP because they were local, mm-hmm. you know, and they built a frame for it. So we get this, we we get all the parts for it, and I'm. So I'm probably 14, 15, about the, just about 15 at the time, I think. Yep. And I'm not, a, I mean, I'm not much of a mechanic at, the, at that time. So like we get all the stuff and my, my dad's not in it. My dad's not a, was never ATV race guy or anything or even mechanics. You know, he's kind of work on stuff here and there just to figure it out a little bit, but pretty much we got this JP bike and like, so 14, remember, so 14 year old Corey's got to figure it out. That's how the story's yeah, going to go. I can feel I, it. I, I got to, I got to build a bike and I don't know what the hell what the heck I'm doing. So I'm like, all right, I'll and figure I it out. I, had, I remember having sawhorses like, like it was yesterday. I had two sawhorses, a piece of plywood, and that was my bike stand. And I put this frame <laughs> on this thing and started just assembling it, you know, but yeah. that thing was, 
that thing, it was an aftermarket chassis, but I almost like they, I felt like they had no clue when they were building it, like stuffed in a fit. <laughs> like they should send me a hammer and a saw and a welder with that thing. Like stuff, but it, it could have been me putting it together too. Cause I didn't know what I was doing, but right. it didn't, it didn't go together easy. Like putting the arms on was a pain in the butt. Putting the swing arm in it was a pain. Oh, nothing's like, worse. Yeah. Nothing's worse than that too. When you're trying to piece together a bike and shit ain't fitting. Yeah. And, and I don't, I mean, I don't know, I know what I'm doing. I'm trying to put this thing together, you know? Yeah. And, and it's so fast forward to that. I win that race on that thing. And then we go to the next, we go to the next race and had PEP shocks on it, you know, and Wayne Radian did them. Yep. Wayne comes by, comes by and he's like, Oh yeah, you know, good job. The last race. And he's does his normal Wayne thing comes over and pushes on the bike, you know? And he's like, what the hell is wrong with this thing? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I just want on it. <laughs> yeah, I just want to, what's wrong? And he's like, he's like, this thing's not right. He starts looking at it, finally realizes that I have the pivot bolt so tight that the suspension's not even working in the back. <laughs> it's just like so stiff. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, but that that so innocent, was, so innocent, Corey. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I mean, it's there. There's, I mean, just shoot, like that thing, that bike. We didn't realize how bad it was until we got that until we got that legger bike and we got that legger bike it was like oh my gosh this like a whole nother step like stuff goes together stuff actually works like, <laughs> it was like i can't believe i even rode that thing but that that um so when we got the legger bike that jp bike actually turned into my tt national bike okay when i started nationals uh or when i started doing nationals that was actually we turned into a tt bike okay for a couple races sure so that makes I, I, and then that so it, it was turned into a tg bike because we didn't we need another bike and we built that that j or the legger bike so the jp bike was kind of a backup practice bike turned into a tt bike and then i sold it to somebody locally in washington and i don't know where it went from there i heard maybe canada or something where it went but i i don't okay. know but but by then we put a legger front end on it and kind of fix some of the issues that were, that were going on with it. Right. You know, <laughs> it wasn't, it, it wasn't the the problem child that it was at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It, def, it definitely, we got it better, but it still wasn't, it wasn't ideal, but it, but it was better than a stalker for sure. Right. For so, sure. so you're a young buck at that time. You you're 16 years old. You win this race. Uh, did that spark anything for you? Like as far as opportunities go or sponsorships or anything like that, because uh, I guess that's where my mind went when, uh, when I started reading up on this, you know, 16 year old winning this race kind of out of the blue. Um, I mean, at first, like, I mean, people kind of knew who I, I was. And like I said, you know, we, we got to know Mark and Susie real well that year. And, um, so we, we ended up ordering that chassis that year. And then the next year was, um, was 94 and then you know as you kind of you and they kind of progressed and you're like okay well now we're racing mickeys you know we're doing getting top tens top fives you know we're we're doing good here like you know and everybody's talking about nationals going to nationals like well you know we should go try this out you know like let's go to nationals see what happens so okay night so you know back back then it was tt and motocross mm -hmm. and i grew up racing a little bit of tt here and there um, but because of my age, I really couldn't too much because I was about 12, 13. We, we just went on 250 because I was so big. So we kind of quit racing the TT um, stuff that was local. But when we started like, well, let's go do nationals. Well, they were, 
TT and motocross. Like, well, what's the best way to do this? Well, 94, we bought that bike from Mark. We kind of changed with him. And so like, let's go race. Um, we've got this plan that like, well, let's go race Texas. Cause Texas was a double header and Tyler, Texas that year, they had a TT. I think it was like Thursday, Friday and a motocross Saturday, Sunday. And it was all the same venue. Okay. Um, so like, let's go do that. We can do two nationals if we go to one event. And by then my parents are pretty good friends with Mark and everything. So Mark was like, Hey, just bring your stuff down. Um, we'll load it in the trailer. And Ron Baker that works at PEP was still kind of racing then. We and we took he had a I think an LT500 that Mark maybe built. So, anyways, I rode with Mark and his truck and trailer to Texas that year. Okay. And and raced raced the TT and the motocross. I think I did pretty good in the TT and the motocross. It was so hot and I was not used to the heat at all. And I just died like and it was a it was an eye-opening experience for sure. Like, yeah, race local motocross, and then you go race Mickey's, which there's a lot of fast guys there, but it's not different style kind of racing. Motor. Yeah. Totally different, different style racing, you know, at a different pace and different everything, you know? Yeah. Yep. And it was an eye opener, you know, and the heat and everything. And I just, I, I thought I was going to die. It was so hot. And I think I got like 16th or 17th, you know, I, I think we, I don't care if we had a qualifier or not, but it was, it was pretty much a full field. Yep. And, and then, so we raced those two races in 94 and then, um and everybody always talked about loretta's 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 you know how it was or is mm -hmm. so like well let's go to loretta's because that's another double header so out of the 10 races that year i went to two events and i hit almost half of them you know i hit two tts two motocrosses out of the five and five of each sure so we went to loretta's and raced loretta's that year in 04 and um we got there and uh we we got to meet Gary a little bit here and there and you know and and Wayne Henson a little bit and we were at Loretta's and and Wayne came up to us and said, Hey, you know, I really wanna I really wanna help you guys out. You know, I, I wanna, you know, help you guys out. Um but part of me helping you guys out is you need to ride a Honda. You can't ride the Suzuki anymore. <laughs> like you gotta okay. get off <laughs> like I'll help you out, you know, I'll, I'll help you know like kind of set your bike up. I'll build you. you know, I think he kind of built the first bike for us. Maybe I think too. And at the time, Gary had a one-off TT bike that Lager built. Um, that was a little lighter weight frame and some things. And, and Gary was, they were going to build a new bike for Gary for, for 95. So, so it was like, well, buy Gary's TT bike. It's all done set up. You can just ride it how it is. Just, you know, change a little setup here and there. It's, it's a great bike. Okay. You know, all you got to do is build a motocross bike and, and, and I'll build it for you, help you guys out. So like, all right. So, I mean, it was one of those things like, probably like you, you know, you got all these Honda parts and now you get a Yamaha and you're like, what am I going to do with all this stuff? You yeah. Know? Oh gosh. All this stuff. So, you know, we had to sell basically sell what we had to buy, buy, buy other stuff. You know, it wasn't like, oh yeah, let's buy it and we'll figure out what we're doing with that. So hey, I know, I, I know all about that right now. Yeah, so we had we had a fire sale on Suzuki's <laughs> at that time. Sure, sold all Suzuki stuff and built and built. We actually had built we built a Lager motocross bike. We bought the TT bike from Gary for 05. and then okay. I got yeah. a Stalker ninety five. Ninety five. Ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah, for ninety five, yep. and I got a Stalker to practice on. That we just I think I threw a ball joint front end on it or something. Just so it was a little bit wider and did a rear shock for it and an axle. Just kind of. 
half-ass did it to make something that was cheap to ride that, that I could go out and practice on that was close. Sure. Sure. So then that's when that whole deal started. Uh, that's, and that was one of the things I was going to ask was how you transitioned from the Suzuki to the Honda, because I knew that that was coming in this time period. Uh, I was wondering how that all happened. So, uh, that's really interesting. Uh, were you one of the last holdouts on the Suzuki or how, how, how did that go? Down? Yeah, pretty much. I think I was about the only guy out there on Suzuki. Okay. I think at that time, you know, there was a couple guys, one or two guys, I think Helsley and maybe somebody else at, at Mickey's that were on Suzuki's, but as far as nationals, like you, I mean, they were odd ducks. You almost never saw them at that point. Right. So that was, that was like, Henson was just like, you got to get off this thing. Like if you break something and you don't have it, there's almost nobody here that you can go ask for a part. If it's something even minor, if you need a coil or, I mean, just, random yeah. little part you might be out of luck because there's nobody here that has one to spare right right you know, right so like, okay, yeah so so that had to be a pretty cool and big monumental really feather in your cap um when wayne hinson is you know saying that he wants to help you out because i mean there wasn't much more legendary of a guy or a program you know talking about gary's deal uh yeah. at that time like that that had to be a huge deal for you yeah you know and that and that not, not, not trying to knock Wayne or anything, but that was kind of in the beginning of, I mean, Wayne goes way back farther than that with Gary for sure. Right. But that was really when he was starting to, I would say grow in his, in his racing side really big and the clutch can stuff was really starting to take off. Okay. You know, when they were starting to get into other stuff. So, I mean, yeah, Wayne, it was a big deal, Wayne, for, cause Wayne was Gary's guy. So it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Wayne wasn't, the Wayne stigma that, you know, right. The, the godfather of ATV racing or whatever you want to call him that he is now, you know, but mm -hmm. he yeah. definitely was, he was there, but he wasn't at the peak he is now for sure. But right. Yeah. It was a huge deal. When he came over and said that, I was like, yeah, if he's saying that and he wants to help us work, it's a, it's a big opportunity. Let's go ahead and do it. You know? And, and Wayne, Wayne was that next year or two, Wayne, Wayne was a big part of, you know, everything he tell, told us, we listened to, um, Brian, his son, actually came and wrenched for me um, for part of a year. Okay. Um, too, as well. And and then also about that time, too, you know, when buying that bike from Gary, we got to know Gary pretty well. And we we hauled his – Goodmans were hauling his stuff around the races, but we hauled his stuff kind of out there for him to get started and hauled the stuff back at the end of the season to California uh, for him. <clears throat> but also, I ended up going and – and staying with Gary for two or three times for like a week at a shot, you know, and, and doing some riding lessons with them and some training with them, okay. which helped, which helped me a lot. He taught, he taught me a lot. The, the time I spent with him, you know, down there. And when that was kind of when he started Denton racing and I think I was kind of his first unofficial employee. Okay. <laughs> I got down there and he was, I don't know if you remember back in the day, his steering nappers were his big thing. Yes, I do. But they, were, yep. they were screen door, um, screen door shocks or something, I guess, you know, he's adapting for a steering adapter, but I remember going to home Depot with him and buying, you know, a box of a hundred of them that he ordered, going okay. back, unboxing them, putting all the, putting all the clamps on them for him, helping him bag them, you know, right when he was starting out of his garage at his house, you know, so it was, it was a cool time to be, you know, to be kind of coming up and, and, and being a part of all these other, you know, all these people and kind of 
you know, fitting in these, all these little spots with everybody. It was pretty Yeah. Cool. And, and I think that that's a huge part of your story is that you're just, you're connected to just about everybody in some way, shape or form. And I was going to ask, you, you know, you, you brought up Gary and those connections and everything. And I was going to ask you if you had somebody early on that you had looked up to or learned from, or, or, uh, however you want to put it back then, but it sounds like Gary might've been that guy. Yeah. You know, I think, I think when I was growing up in Washington, um, Doug Eichner was probably the guy I looked up to for a long time. Um, okay. Cause when I first started racing, when I was racing at 80, he was a pro and we'd go to arena cross and he was the guy, him and Greg Longy were the guys to beat. They raced in Mickey's, you know, and I'm on an 80 and I'm looking at these guys like, Oh man, they're so fast. Like you would stop what you're doing, no matter where you're at to go watch the pros, you know, and watch right. them. Yeah. So, you know, and then he moved to California and went to work at Lagers. It was like, oh, yeah, watching, you know, how's, how's the Pacific Northwest guy doing? You know, the Nationals and Mickey's, and he's winning in Mickey's and winning a championship and stuff. Yeah. So I, I kind of really looked up to Doug, especially when I turned pro and he was still there. I was like, I want to beat him, but he's beating me by half a lap, you know. Mm-hmm. But And then then from there, my circle of Nationals and stuff, you know, really, you know, Gary was that guy that I looked up to and, you know, learned a lot from Gary riding, um, you know, doing lessons with him and him explaining things on the track to me and how, and how things to look for. And, you know, when I was riding, just things to think about and how to approach, how to approach the track, you know, taught me a lot that has really stuck with me through the years. Oh, you know, sure. so I'd say those two guys probably are the two guys that I really looked up to growing up and, you know, and, and coming up that, you know, really made a big difference on, on my career and how, and things I did. Yeah, I can totally relate to that talking about Eichner because um, for me, that was Doug Gust, you know, like for me, uh, being a Wisconsin kid, Doug Gust being from Wisconsin. So, you know, he was obviously in his heyday when I was coming up and like when he would show up at a local race, you know, as a little boy, like I didn't know the difference between the status of Doug Gust and Ricky Carmichael or Doug Gust and Brett Favre. Like, uh, he was, he was God here. Right. So, um, you know, I just remember him showing up and, and that's how it was for me. I wanted to watch everything he did. It was like, you know, he walked on water. Then when I got invited to go ride with him a little bit, and as I got older and like, I would, as a, as an adolescent or whatever, riding with him and, you know, being able to hold my own a little bit and doing whole shots with him and whatever. And just like words of affirmation that he would give me, I had to pinch myself honest to God, because it was like, this is, this is my biggest hero, like saying these things to me, you know, so I can totally relate to what you're saying. And, uh, and that kind of bringing up some of those names too, um, kind of like, touches on, I guess, how integral you are to the overall history of ATV racing. Because if my calculations are correct, uh, as, as far as like AMA nationals go, you raced every series champion ever with the exception of Joel Hetrick, I believe, but you raced Rodney Gentry, you raced Denton, you would have raced far hit gust, Jeremiah Spader, Natalie bird, Wimmer creamer, Weenan, you raced every single one of them, Corey, with the exception of Hetrick. That's amazing to think about. Literally, the whole history of the ATV Nationals, you've raced every one of them, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know that going. I mean, going back to you know the national stuff. I mean, Gary, Gary, Gary was an awesome champion. He was he won championships. I don't think he was the fastest guy necessarily all the time. He was fast for sure, but 
he was the smartest guy out there. He just had, you know, with his history with motorcycles and right, how long he'd right. been racing, he was just, you know, and that's, you know, doing, working with him for a few times in those lessons and things, he, he was so smart about how he approached the track, things he saw on the track, how he thought about, you know, thought about everything he was doing is very, very calculated. And that's, that's what made him, I think, you know, I mean, it's part of a package, but that's, that was the thing that made him so, so tough out there was he may not win, win every time, but he was smart. He was always very calculated and knew what he was doing and had a purpose for what he was doing out there. He just wasn't out there blasting berms and go and hold right. it to the floor, just go for, you know, just wide open. Right. Well, some of that, you know? and, and you touched on the two wheel side, but some of that is he was a savvy professional basically coming from dirt bikes already as yeah. like, as like the ATV guys were figuring out how to do this whole pro quad thing. It was the infancy of the sport. Well, Gary was already a pro, right. And he, yeah. he just brought it to the ATV side. So to have a guy like that in your corner, I mean, I mean, that had to be invaluable. Yeah, no, it, it was for sure. You know, and that's, you know, then once, once Gary, you know, kind of, or, or once he retired and, and everybody came, you know, everybody else started coming up, it was, it was a fight. I mean, you look back on it and the guy that got 10th one weekend could be the winner the next weekend. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Cause well, especially you know, everybody, with, the, with TT and motocross, there was yeah. more, there was more variation than there is now, obviously. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was so close even if you got fifth every race, you could, you could have still won. I mean, it was just, and the championships really, really came down to who, who had the least amount of problems. I mean, which it does still does. I mean, you look at Joel and Chad and if they don't have an issue here, issue there, one of them's going to win. But right. back then you had, you had 10, 15 guys almost that, <laughs> that for a championship, it was like, if, if, Hey, if I wouldn't have broke down this race and that race, I would have been instead of getting 10th in points. I would have got third in points. You know I mean? It was, it was crazy how close it together it was. And you had, but you had people like Shane most time was really good at TT, but he was yep. still good at motocross, but he could win a motocross here and there, but he went almost all the TTs at, you know, one point or, yeah, you know, Tim, he would be real strong or, you know, you'd have these years all of a sudden like Travis just, you know, goes out and does a bunch of testing and him and Paul click and they go out and you know, don't have any issues and come out and win that year, you know, and, it's, and yep. then also next year they change the program and then so-and-so wins the next year. It's just, yeah, it's it's it was crazy because you never knew who was going to win, and there's always the threat that anybody could win. It wasn't just two guys or three guys or four guys. It was like ten guys that you felt like could win any race, yeah. and it well, just kind of pin out win. Well, I think that that's a lot of what made that basically ten year stretch or whatever after Gary retired that made that that's like such a legendary period for the sport is because there was so much variation because there was so much, um, you know, different riders winning. And I know that there was, you know, that was kind of, that ended up being the end of the GNC series at one point and then the split. And then there was pro production. We'll get into all that, but there was so much going on in the sport right then and there. But the fact that like, so many different guys could win, like you just touched on that. I think that that's why that era is held in such high regard. And, um, yeah, like that kind of leads me to where I'm going with this because fast forward a few years now, and this is when we see like this major shift in the sport where the word pioneer comes in, like I said earlier, um, because we see the dawn of the four strokes and you roll out this legendary YZ powered four stroke quad. Uh, tell me, I guess how that came to be, because again, like you pioneered that whole, that whole fad really. 
As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed the client's expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. So it kind of starts, I, I when I was growing up, um, 
I rode dirt bikes too, because there was never, like I go to a local race, like Washougal or somewhere and there'd be six quads or, you know, there'd be, it, it was, we were hanging on by a thread basically, you know, like still being there. Yep. But you sat around so much. I'm like, I want to ride another class. So, so I got dirt bikes and I rode, and so I rode dirt bikes too. And I've been to Loretta's on a dirt bike uh, and stuff qualified and done that and sure. Ponca city and everything. And, and so I was, I always have had a dirt, well, I don't have one now, but I've always kind of had a dirt bike <laughs> Okay. <laughs> in between right now a little bit, but I've always had a dirt bike. So I bought a, I have, when I moved to California, right before I moved to California, I had a 96 CR250. thing was awesome. And then the 97, they came out with that aluminum frame CR250. And I bought that thing right before I moved to California. And I bought that, it and I bought it. That's the, and that that's, was, the, that's the bike everybody hated. Oh my God. It was the worst dirt bike I've ever had. And I had that thing and I'm just like, this thing is the biggest heap. Hey, it, then, looked, hey it looked cool, but it was, oh, yeah. it was a piece Oh, it was horrible. It was like, I sold, I sold my 96, 97. I'm like, what? I, I can, I'm like, trade the guy back or something like this is horrible. Here, take my brand so, new bike. <laughs> yeah. So I hated that thing. So then in 98 Yamaha, you know, and then Henry's riding this four stroke and yeah, you know, watching yeah. him like, like at uh, Vegas tracks all hard packed and slick and he goes out there and smokes everybody. This yes. Four stroke. Yes, yes, yes. So, I remember watching that that bar to bar two would have been that year, and I remember watching that VHS tape on on replay of uh, of that because that was such a cool era to see. You know, everybody thinking he's not going to do anything on this four stroke, and like you said, on a dry slick track like that, he could yeah. just cruise around and motor it away from everybody. Yeah. So then ninety eight, you know, came out and they came out of that bike, and I had that ninety seven CR two fifty, and I just hated that thing, and I'm like. I'm like, that thing's pretty cool. That four stroke, Let, you know, when everybody's talking about it, talking about it. So I'm like, I got to get rid of this dirt bike. So, it can't, can't be worse than my 97 CR. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, I got to get rid of this thing. So I, <laughs> I go trade it in and, and get it and get one. And the funniest thing is I go buy this bike and they're, they, you know, decompression, try to start a four stroke. I've never had one before at the time. I'm like, I don't know how the thing works, but yeah. I buy it. I buy the thing. And the guy's like, Hey, do we need to, sh-? cause people are breaking Kickstarters off on these things. Cause they can't, yeah. they don't know how to start them. Right. The guy's all, Hey, the guy's all, Hey, do you want me to try to start this thing? I'm like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I'm good. You know, I'm trying to be a cool guy. I buy this bike. Don't know how to start the thing. I get it. I'm living at Lagers at the time. Okay. I get it back and Chris Fristo happened to be, happened to be there. And him and I probably spent a good 45 minutes trying to start this bike. Oh I get it gosh. back to the house. Like we're kicking it and kicking it and kicking it and trying to get it figured out. Anyways, I, I, I started riding this dirt bike and I'm like, this thing is awesome. Like it goes from having to be like super smooth on the gas and worrying about the thing breaking loose and all the stuff and you go ride it. Cause I mean, I don't, I wasn't like crazy fast on dirt bike, but I kind of ride one, but yeah, I was, yeah. I was more like, if it was a sandy track, I'm good. Hard pack. I'd fall on my ass. Cause I just had, I, I could never find traction on a hard pack. So this four stroke is like awesome. Like I'm riding this thing. Like it's super cool. And at the time we were um, doing the, um, the pace off road races at the time. Okay. And they started that thunder bike class. So they're running four stroke thunder bikes, you know, and you kind of see that first year all of a sudden, everybody starts, you know, jumping on this four stroke bandwagon and you ride them and they're fun to ride ton of power. You can be real lazy on them. It's, it just makes it kind of a little easier deal, but they have a more, more yeah, more forgiving. yeah, more forgiving, more forgiving, but they have a ton of power and they run really good, you know, 
good at the time, I should say, because they were a bitch to start. And oh my gosh, <laughs> nothing was worse. And I was, again, I was a young kid, but there was a number of years there where like, I remember getting my first 250, uh, 250F, I guess, in like 04 or whatever. And even still at that yeah. point, kicking any of those machines was, yeah. was a, was scary. Like you didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And so I'm riding this dirt bike, you know, and, and they got this new thunder bike class and kind of see not everybody switching, but the four strokes are definitely more popular now. And people are kind of going to them. I'm riding this thing. I was like, this thing runs awesome, you know, and, and, and they're keeping up, you know, they're, they're not any slower than 250. And when I would go to Glen, and when I go to Glen Helen, because I'd go to Glen Helen all the time for practice. Okay. Um, Cause they're open on Thursdays. When I was living at Lagers, I'd drive up to Glen Helen and go practice there. Cause that was the, I could go after work and they were still open. Sure. And there'd be a bunch of dirt bike pros out there. And my, you know, my 250R is about the same speed as a 250, a yeah. 252 stroke. We're pretty close, you know, and when I put a 330 in or we could be around 330, we were, I could pull away from most of the, most of the pro guys. Like can't like Sean Hamlin. Um, he was a factory Suzuki guy yeah. yep. for a little bit. Um, yeah. Good rider. I knew, I, I knew him fairly well. And like, we go out and just battle, like, we knew each other good enough that like at the, on at Glen Hill and like, he would let me like be inches off his wheel and he wouldn't care. Like he wasn't okay. like the guy flipped me off and pulling over and roosting. Like it was sure. like a battle, you know? Okay. Yeah. So, so seeing the dirt bikes, <clears throat> seeing the dirt bikes, you know, the four strokes, not any slower than the 250. And I'm out there racing with, you know, battling these guys. I'm like, okay, so that thing has to be pretty close. So, so, so obviously, uh, not to interrupt, but obviously the gears are going in your head. We gotta, we gotta put this thing in an ATV chassis. Yeah. You know, and, and at the time Lager had been building some four stroke stuff, he started doing a 300 EX frame. And so, I mean, the, there was definitely like four stroke stuff going on at the nationals. Yep. Um, that, you know, so he's building out more frames for four stroke stuff. And I talked to Mark, I'm like, Mark, let's, you know, this thing's pretty awesome. And I started looking at the rules for, for everything, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, you know, we can run this in the, at the nationals, we can run it. Not only can we run it in the pro class, you know, at the time there was like three pro-am classes. There's four stroke pro-am and I think like super sport or I, I can't remember. There was, there was three different pro, three different pro-am classes in the pro class. And I'm like, we can ride this bike in four classes, you know I mean? It's sure. Yeah. It's, it's legal for it. And I, and I'm pretty sure it's as good as a 250, you know, two stroke. I don't think it's any worse. So I talked to Mark about it and, and, you know, and Mark kind of saw it too. I'm like, Hey, you know, stuff's getting more, you know, this four stroke thing's really, really looking strong. Let's, let's throw it in there. So we spent, or, you know, I should say we, Mark, spent, <laughs> I was there watching and build it. Sure. But he, you know, spent some time and we built that thing. And I remember that was, we went to, so quad cross, just started in California. They had Lori did four rounds at Glen Helen on the REM backtrack was going to okay. be that, that winter. And then the pace stuff started right after that. So I was like, Mark, let's get this thing done. We'll go out and ride it at quad cross, see how it is. You know, like, cause I, I knew a couple like, like Mark Earhart and there'd be a couple other people that would be out of that quad cross kind of getting tuned up for the, 
for the stadium races. I'm like, let's see how a thing, if it doesn't work, I'll ride the two, I'll ride my 250 thing, but let's just build this thing, you know? It would, yeah. It would be a perfect test run of this thing to see if yeah. it was going to be competitive and realistic. Yeah. yeah. So that last, we didn't get it done until the last race of quad cross show. And this is, and this is when quad cross, like I said, first started. So we went from racing in California, basically with dirt bikes mm-hmm. to our own small series. that was four rounds. The first, the first thing. And, show up the last round with this bike and like we didn't powder coat the frame it just like i threw some random plastic on it it, it, it didn't it kind of looked hodgepodge together but it really wasn't <laughs> sure. but we didn't know sure. we didn't know if we needed to weld something else on the frame or anything we weren't real sure how it was going to work or anything so we didn't like polish it off real nice right and sure. i went out there and raced it and i passed there i came from like fourth or fifth and i passed Earhart and won the race and I was like, shit, this thing is really good. <laughs> like it's better than I thought, you know? Okay. And so we, we pulled it apart and off the scene, I got, I got amazing somewhere, um, dirt wheels, but we pulled it apart and the guys from dirt, the guys high, high torque dirt wheels were there and like, Hey, we want to shoot this thing. So we pulled it apart and had it all painted up and polished up and got it all looking good and got it all done. And they shot it for dirt wheels and I'll, I'll send you the picture of it, but yeah, please it, do. It, it turned out, it turned out, I mean, what to what you see at the pace race is basically what we showed up with, but yeah. So we showed up with the first pace race in, in St. Louis and we cover it up and everybody already kind of knew a little bit. Some people did, some people didn't, but we covered up at the race and people were like, what's under there, you know, and kind of got a little hype around it and stuff, but sure. I went out and raced, I went out and raced it. And I think I, I can't remember. I ended up like sixth or seventh or something, but I, I ended up stalling it. Like I think in the heat race or maybe the main event and, you know, cause it was, had a flip seat on it and I had a flip. And at the time I like, we just kind of got it going. So I was still figuring out how to start at the thing, you know, when we had the flip seat, I was going to flip it up at the time to kick it. And, you know, so, so if you stalled it, it was a, a, a 98 YZ 400. That's already a pain in the butt to start. Plus you got to flip the seat up. So if you stall on the track, you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well have had the, you know, the, the big, uh, what do they call those things that you'd like put on the kicker? You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Like yeah. the remote, like engine starting, basically you might yeah. as well have had one of those. Cause if you stalled it, you were screwed. Yeah. So, I mean, we had, we had pretty, I mean, I raced that one race and other than that, I think I practiced on it a couple times here and there. So it wasn't super familiar with it, but we went and did there. Oh, I think we ended up like six. I think, I think, I think I stalled in the heat race, but I think I ended up six in the main. Okay. And I think we went to one other race after that. And then we went to Anaheim. I mean, by Anaheim, I had quite a bit of time on it and I went out and I think it came out like fourth or fifth and I passed Travis and Harold and, you know, some, and Timmy, I think, I think those are the main three, main three guys, maybe Shane or somebody too, but passed all those guys and just one checked, I mean, checked out, was checking out and one, you know, on that thing. And it was, and then when I won on the thing, everybody, you know, Timmy and everybody are like sitting back there like, yeah, I think we need one of those, <laughs> you know what I mean? everybody could kind of see the writing on the wall at that point, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and, I, and, but I, that 90, that was in, this was in 98 or sorry, 99. was when this was for 99 yes. season. Yep. And I was working so much at Lagers that that year that I didn't, I didn't, I really raced a limited schedule to nationals that year. Cause okay. I was working so much and just kind of, my parents were busy and couldn't really, I think go to the races too much that year. And, just the way everything kind of was, I think I only hit a couple of races, but I remember going to High Point, and I, I that was that was the year actually I went to Loretta. I also went to Loretta's on a dirt bike that year too. Oh, okay. 
Um, so I went to High Point that year in 99, and I'm like, you know, I was like, I'm only doing one race, and at the time, Nationals, you know, you run one pro moto one day and one pro moto on the next day at that time. Yep. I'm like, I don't want to sit around here all day long. I'm going to sign up for some more classes. I'm like, what can I ride? Well, I can ride all the pro-ams and the pros. So I rode four classes. Oh, my gosh. I rode, I rode three pro-am classes and the pro, pro class, and I was done by the end of the weekend. I was just worthless. And I, I think I... I think I got like fifth or sixth or something maybe in the pro class. I, I can't remember in the programs. I think I got like sixths and thirds and stuff, but it was, it was way more, way more classes I, than I should have probably rode for the shape I was in at the time and not riding, <laughs> riding all the nationals that year. Sure. But, but so that was, was, so that was 99. Yeah. Um, did you end up riding that quad? Like you rolled that quad for a few years then, right? Yeah. That, so that was the only motocross, um, YFZ quad that Lager built me. I only had that one for the motocross and that was it. Okay. You know, and, and that was kind of, you know, the cool thing or a different thing. I shouldn't say cool or different. It was different back then was you would buy a Lager chassis and you'd run it for three or four years. It's not like now people are like, oh, I rode three races on that bike. I gotta get a new one. Scrap it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scrap that thing. So it's somebody else, you know, I mean, we would ride, You'd buy you'd buy a 250R chassis from Lager, and you would race that thing for four years. You just end of the year, strip it down. If it has a crack in it, okay, we'll weld that up, repowder coat it, you know, put some new bearings in it, go out for the next year. But we were only running, you know, five motocross races, and then your local races. So it wasn't like you're running a bunch of races on like you are now. You're not running 12, 13 races on it. Right. But I mean, so we we definitely got some more time out of bikes. I felt like then. You know, because then also you're building a one-off bike. You're not you're not just can't go down the showroom and buy a bike either, too. You know? Exactly. Yeah, that wasn't realistic. And and guys like Legger, like they could only put out so many be so many builds or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it probably wasn't it probably wasn't feasible like money wise to just build these bikes every year either. So uh, yeah. so so yeah, that's that's what I thought is is you ran it for a number of years. So where did so uh, I don't I guess I don't know what year it would have been. But shortly thereafter, at some point, uh, is where the Cannondale factored in, right? So uh, I'm fascinated to hear uh, about that because that was a short-lived Cannondale period for you was, was factored in there too. Yeah, so 99, I did limited season in Nationals. And then so 2000, I came back and raced all of From then on, I raced all of them. Okay. Just that, that 99 year was just a weird year, but, you know, because I think we kind of focused on that stadium race series that year. Well, which was, national. which was kind of as big as anything, really, wasn't it? This, this, you know, the guys, the guys that put on that race, that was, you know, pace, clear channel, live nation, that whole group, you know, those guys, you know, it went away, which sucks. But to me, the Mickey's, the Mickey's and that clear channel stadium stuff was the, one of the best things for ATV racing, maybe besides, WPSA, you know, WPSA had the TV coverage, but those, that Mickey series was awesome. Cause it was, you know, you go to stadium, go to Jack Murphy, there's 60,000 people there watching. Sure. I mean, there's, there's trucks, there's bikes, there's buggies, there's quads. But when we, st when we started doing that clear channel stuff, it started out as we were the sideshow for the monster trucks. Mm -hmm. Well, they kind of, I almost feel like they kind of fooled the fans a little bit because they'd go yeah monster truck show and quads and then you get there and it was mainly a quad race 
with monster trucks as the sideshow. Like the track, it was a full blown. They had triples. They had tabletops. They had doubles. They had shirts. Sure. I mean, it was it was a full blown quad stadium track, and they would run monster trucks around for halftime entertainment, basically between the quad races. And, That's awesome. You know, and they and they ran the dirt bikes too. So it was you know dirt bike squads and and monster trucks kind of as a sideshow. Sure. So I mean, you really got to give it up to those guys because we go into you know Anaheim and there'd be fifty thousand people there. I mean, it's. It it sucks that they don't have that anymore because it was as a racer, you'd go there and you know, you'd win or you'd hear the crowd cheering, they do, you know, it was you felt like a supercross rider going yeah. to those things. You yeah. know, it was it I really wish they would still do that just because it was so good for our sport. I felt like and introduced a lot of people to ATVs that may not have been an ATV person and they we'd go and people would come up and you know, I went to the last one, it was you know, because they were all there's a lot of them in California, and they would come San Diego and Anaheim, and they'd be like, "I was in San Diego without it." You know, that race was awesome. You guys were, so, you know, the entertainment of the show. Yeah. So those those things were those things were really awesome to do. Um, I think that that's for, such a that's such a that's such a big thing too with ATV racing is like uh, everybody that's exposed to it sees how badass it is, right? It's just just getting it to the people to be able to see it, I guess. And, and yeah. that's where we're lacking nowadays. Um, but yeah, so and, the, so, so I'll let you continue on there. Oh, so, I mean, that, that's kind of what I, I feel bad for like Chad and Joel, in a, in a way. Yeah. And you know, the, the pros that are out there now, because they don't get experience that that was such a cool experience in ATV racing, running in front of those crowds like that, that it, you know, if someone could see those guys now, you know, and what they could do compared to even what we we were doing, it would be, I think, a good draw and a good thing for the sport. Like you're saying, to introduce all those people to it, you know, it was such a it was such a cool, such a cool learning experience or or personal experience for me and the guys that were there. It, it meant a lot. It was awesome. Yeah. But but so getting back to the Cannondale stuff. Because um, that that must have been right about that time, right? Like two thousand or two thousand one or something. Yeah. So the the stadium races we went from, I think they started in ninety seven. We start, yeah ninety seven. I think ninety seven ninety eight. They started in there. Okay. Um, and then until I think two thousand four five. Okay. Had to be five. Had five. to be five was the last year. Yeah, there was in 2005 because there's those pictures of Natalie at the beginning of the Honda Honda yeah. period there. Yeah, because so. you put you put you post that picture I think on me the other day, and that was uh, 05 bike. Okay. So okay. yeah, so yeah, 2005 was the last year. So they had a pretty good run, you know. And as it started, we were kind of the sideshow, but at the end, it was like I said, full blown. You know, we we were we were you know the ATVs pretty much were the show. You know, they kind of like, oh yeah, most truck show, get all the kids to come. <laughs> and then it was like, yeah, the most trucks run for five minutes, but the quads are out here, you know, ninety percent of the time. Right. Yeah. You know, so, but uh, that that Cannondale thing, it all kind of started. Um, I was out at Glen Helen riding, and this guy comes up to me, um, named Steve Quate. He's a sales rep. For okay. Cannondale, he he was a bicycle guy, and then when they started the moto stuff, he was all into motos, motos, motorcycles, uh, and then they started the ATV stuff. He was out of Glen Hill, and I think riding riding one of the dirt bikes or you know Cannondale bikes, and kind of trying to promote it. Like, hey guys, want you to ride it? And if you like it, you can go to you know the dealer and buy one. Well, he he was out of Glen Hill and saw me ride and came over talking like, hey bud, what's going on? You know, 
we got a Candell Quad. You should try this thing out. And you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> um, but the the funny part is, real quick. So this guy Steve Quaid, him and I. Long story short, he's really into fitness. He became my trainer for a while. Oh wow! Uh, and then wow. and then we're we're still friends. Like he lives. I live in St. George. He lives in. He lives in Park City, but he drives to St. George to go to California still because he's still a bicycle rep. Um, okay. Doing bicycle rep stuff, but he stops by and sees me all the time. I mean, we became this whole, this whole Candell thing. We really bonded over it and became That's really awesome. down the road, but that's awesome. So yeah. He, so he, he got, he's like, Hey, you ride this thing, you know, and I, I rode it and I'm like, I mean, I'm, the guy has a brand new quad, you know, new quad is four stroke and it's production, you know, let's, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I rode it and I'm like, Hey, this thing is actually not that bad and i'm like you know we're we're buying we're buying chassis we're buying dirt bikes to put this thing together you know i'm spending 20 grand on this put this bike together and then i can go or go over here and buy one for six thousand or five thousand whatever they were at the time yep and it's and it's not bad you know and it's like kind of like buying a 250r back in the day and we'll put a front end on it Mm -hmm. you know and, and, and maybe a swing arm or whatever you throw a few parts at it and not have to go hog wild and buy two machines to make one. Yeah. Know? Well, well at that time it was kind of before it's time really. Yeah. Like oh, that, it, that it, chassis setup and whatever, like was kind of the first of its era. But again, it was like kind of before it's time. Yeah. You know, and I was still, you know, at that time, at that time, I think I, I'm, I don't, I think I just had kind of quit working for Mark. Okay. I was working, I was working construction for um, one of my friends, Steve Owens driving a water truck. Um, we're construction I and mean, he, he actually raced the stadium races. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so all, there's all kinds of connections going on. Yeah. Right so, yeah. But so there's long stories everywhere in this whole deal. Right. But I'm working, I'm working for Steve, uh, driving a water truck and, and I ended up meeting this, I end up Steve Owens and I end up meeting this Steve Quaid. That's the sales rep for Cannondale. Yep. And we're bullshitting at the, at the track. He's trying to get me to ride this thing. And, he's, and I'm like, Oh, and he's like, where do you live at? And I would tell him, I live in Marietta. He's like, Oh, you do? I live in Wilmore, which is like the next city over. It's like, you can't tell the difference. Okay. You know, and he tells me where he lives. Well, my friend that I'm working for actually lives like three blocks from this guy. Oh my God. And, and so the guy I'm working for has an acre house on an acre. And then he has an empty acre next to him. And he has a little tiny super cross arena cross track on this acre that we go out and practice. He has lights and stuff. And we practice at night on it oh, and stuff wow. for, the stadium, for the stadium races. All right. So, so the Candell reps like just a block away. So him and I, we all kind of become friends and everything. And he's like, yeah, ride this thing. And I ride it. And he's like, he's like, you know, sales rep guy, we got to get you on this bike. We got to get you on this bike. I'll talk to one of my dealers and I'll, and I'll see if I can get you a loaner, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll loan it to the, we'll loan it to the dealership, but it, but it's for you to use and you can ride it and promote it and all this stuff. I'm like, it's like a factory ride kind of. I was gonna, of I was gonna, I was gonna say at this point, this is a, this is a very big deal because nobody's got anything like this. No, yeah. So I'm like, all right, sweet, you know. And so I'm like, all right, well, let's let's get one. So, so Alba at the time was was one of his bigger bigger shops he had that took on Cannondale. So he gets me a bike through Alba, and um, and so I take it to Mark, and Mark looks at it. Mark builds a front end for it, builds a swing arm. You know, we get it all kind of done up and, and, uh, Billy from quad tech, I take over, you know, the thing has those, those headlights in it that look like, oh eyeballs. yeah. Oh yeah. And we're like, we're like, this thing looks horrible. Like we got to do something <laughs> about this thing. 
So I take it over to Billy, you know, like, you know, cause he's making all the, all the carbon fiber hoods and everything for quad tech, you know, yep. time. Yep. And he's like, you know, Billy and I became, I was Billy's first customer. <laughs> he's like, I would never be doing this crap. You, you drug me into this. <laughs> you know, cause because of you on this whole deal. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry about it. But him and I became really good friends. And actually he's my brother-in-law now. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. He, he married my wife's sister and that's oh, how wow. they met was from my wife from us man there's so he's my, there's connections everywhere in this whole thing. yeah so he's my brother-in-law now but at the time um i take it to him and he's like this thing's ugly you know like all right well <laughs> let's put a hood on it let's figure it out and we've got to make it fix it so he i come back over to the shop and he has this he has this hood for this thing and it's you know a normal tube yard hood you know or honda hood is like six inches or eight inches wide yeah i was gonna say this thing's got to be massive this thing is like like a foot and a half wide it covers it basically just covers the whole the whole front plastic (laughs) yeah it's a a cow catcher yeah you know but it's every styles and it has the hood built into and everything and right and and i go over there and i'm like and i go i go i I, first thing i see the thing and i'm like (laughs) this thing looks familiar i'm looking at it looking at it i'm like billy and he's like what i go i think let's see like a like a sperm <laughs> this is, has this big round head on it you know right yeah so we, so we nicknamed it that you know just for us but that is funny yeah so we put this thing on and it looks it, it looked better for sure but like you posted that picture of that that red bike and that was that first that first one we built okay and and i got that graphics kit i can't remember who made that maybe in style i think okay but that graphics kit like if you walked up close to it, it was all hand cut. Like I took the graphics kit and spent probably three hours cutting this, all the, every stripe on that thing is all cut out from that graphics kit laid on there. Like <laughs> that, that bike, that, that bike turned out really good, but it was a lot of work to, sure. make, it look, to make it look good oh or make gosh. it look acceptable. But well, yeah, the thing then, uh, is, the thing is, is that, uh, yeah, it looked good. Probably didn't sound that good. It probably sounded like the thing was going to blow itself apart knowing it was a Cannondale. So <laughs> I, I got that first bike and that was right when they first came out and I talked to Wayne and, and Henson and he's like, yeah, bring it up. We'll see if we can make a clutch basket for that thing. I'm okay. like, all right. <laughs> so I bring the thing up there and I ride it up into one of the bays and then the, there's a wall and then the next next bay over at their shop i don't know if you've ever been there it's like i haven't kind of uh, it's like a bunch of bays and but they have it's a whole complex but they have all these garage doors and everything sure um brian's in the other room on the other side of this bay <laughs> and i bring it in i'm like kind of revving it up sitting there <laughs> brian runs out and's all shut it off shut it off it's gonna blow up it's gonna blow <laughs> up oh he, has, he has no idea what's even in there he just hears the thing rattling and clanking oh you know, my normal, gosh norman normal cannondale you know making all of its noise he comes out running it's like <laughs> turn it off turn it off it's gonna blow up i'm, I'm like this how's he he's like oh my god you know <laughs> oh that is funny Wayne Wayne cracks the cover on that thing and looks at it and is like, I'm not touching this thing. No, nope. take it out of here. <laughs> Just take it out of here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's you know, so I get that bike from Alba and that kind of start that started my whole Alba relationship with Corey Hove. You know, Cor- Corey Corey was one of the most awesome people to ever deal with. He would give anybody the shirt off his back. If you asked for it, whether you need it or not, if you asked for it, he would give it to you. Okay. He was, he, he was the, one of the best 
spawn one of the best sponsors I've ever had as far as helping me out and really helped me in, in my career and helped me get to a whole nother level. Yeah. That ended but, up being an awesome relationship, obviously for you. Cause you were an Alba rider the whole second half of your career. Yeah. You know, and they, and they got there known by, you know, basically taking a Banshee and putting all a bunch of parts on it and you finance the whole thing and buy right. a Banshee, it's all done up. So yeah. they're, they're a Cannondale dealer. Quake gets me this bike from them to, you know, to go out and do all the stuff. And I, I go race, you know, I'm race. I race, I think I race stadium races on it one year and, some stuff and Quaid's like we you know we need a you know and this is when Nax kind of got their Cannondale deal you know and John was and John was kind of there too doing his deal yep you know and Cannondale was you know they were the only ones making a real production bike that you could go race or go buy so it was it was a big deal yeah um for you know and the thing was I mean the thing was ahead of its time for sure. It had its problems for sure. It had its problems, but it had its perks too. Like again, yeah. oh, it was, yeah. it was, it was just, it was just too early and maybe, it, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe that they didn't have the right text. Maybe it was thrown together yeah. too early. I don't know exactly. I mean, you know, better than I, in that regard, yeah. but man, if, it, if they would have just been able to take a little bit more time um, yeah. and refine that thing, man, like that was a really good machine. Yeah. You know, and so, so, you know, you know, Steve's the sales, the sales rep, you know, and he's pump up, up in this thing. Like we got to, you know, we got to, you got to race this thing and blah, 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 you know, and okay. really getting fired up about it. And by then I, I think I, I won the pro-am pro-am four-stroke championship in 2000 and 2002. Okay. So this had to be like two in the 2002, 2003, right in there, you know, and he's like, we got to, we got to step this up and you know, Alba's, you know, Alba said they'll help you out. And they, now they got this cross country bike. Have you ever thought about racing cross country? You know, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not a cross country guy, but you know, I mean, if someone's going to give me a bike and wants me to go race it, you know, if I can afford to go do that, I'll go do it. So, yeah. So that, so out, so that's, you know, then Corey's like at Alba's like, yeah, you know, we'll give you another bike. We'll, you know, we'll get, we'll get you, we'll get you another bike. And so that, I think I got a, I got a, uh, well, I can't remember the thing was called a blaze cross. There was a blaze. Yeah. The cross country okay. bike was a blaze. Yeah. So they gave me a blaze. And, and my whole deal was like, I'm working, I got to go run, you know, GNCC. I'm working in California. I got to go run GNCC. I just raced the stadium races. I want to race nationals like between GNCC and nationals. Like, I mean, like Wesley does it now, but like you're gone every weekend. I'm like, how am I going to freaking work and paint? I got a house payment now. I got, right. you know, all, all my bills. I'm like, how am I going to do this? So Jimmy White was running, you know, was the main, one of the main people at stadium races running it, but he was also working for Kenda okay. at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and Jimmy and I, you know, became decent, pretty good, decent friends, you know, and I, I respect Jimmy a lot and he's done a lot in the industry and done a lot of things. And, you know, now, now he works for the competition for me personally right, right now. But yeah, right, right, right. We still talk once in a while and the semen events and, you know, we're, 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 we're very, we're friends for sure. I would say, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. we'll talk all the time, but anyway, at the time Jimmy's doing the stadium races and doing the kind of thing. And I'm like, man, I got to figure out how to, I got to figure out how I can go do this. You know, Corey's going to give me bikes and parts and support me like that. I just got to figure out how to get around kind of. So, um, I don't know how it got started, but I started talking to Jimmy and Jimmy's like, Kendall's like, I, I think I can get you some money, you know, to help you, help you get around a little bit from Kendall. And I'm like, 
all right. So I'm like, I don't have to pay for tires now. I got a little bit of money for gas money. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I can do this. So I basically like, I think, I think the GNCC race was in Florida starting that year. And it was like a week away or something. I didn't have a bike yet. They have one on the floor and this whole thing, like Jimmy's like, all right, I, got, I can get you some money. So I'm like, all right, I need to quit my job, get a bike and get to Florida. <laughs> like within <laughs> in a, a week. week. Yeah. In a week, yeah, in a week, <laughs> in a week. So so I, I, qu- I quit. My buddy was pissed because I pretty much came in and said, I'm, I go, um, today's my last day. I got to leave in two days to go to Florida for a GNCC race. He's just like, because <laughs> he went from a one, he had one water truck. He hired me and was building the second one. Okay. So I was his only employee, his first and only employee, and I'm quitting on him, you know, and he's like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, it's a good friend. It's a good friend. And I'm like, I'm, I'm out of here tomorrow. I'm not coming back tomorrow, basically. Right. Jeez. So he was, so he, that kind of strained that relationship for, for a couple of years. <laughs> We're good friends now, but it, he was not real happy with me. At oh, that I'm point. sure. But, yeah. But it was like, it was like, you know, it's my, it was my one shot. I was like, I had a, I, if I didn't do it then, I didn't know if it was ever going to happen. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric, and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs, from hard parts to riding gear. Bike Strikes and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Gripped's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. 
We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. I had a box me at the time, and I went down to Alba, and I picked up picked up a quad for cross country, and I, so I can't remember if I was if I raced at Cannondale at the nationals or just that that year. I know I still had the I still had the the hybrid bike. I think I took it too, but I was basically out of a box man that year, and I drove to the first round in GNCC. I left my house. It was from California to Florida. It took me 48 hours. I stopped in Texas. I I stopped in Texas for two hours and slept. Went to Orlando, picked up John Pellin from the airport. We drove straight to the track and they were having practice at that first round. And I got unloaded the bike, never rode it before, put a twist throttle on it. Went out and rode practice on it, and I went to the hotel, and I think it was about 5 o'clock I passed out. Like, I was smoked. I'd been up for, like, 48 hours or something stupid and slept Whatever, for two hours. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just running on, a, on adrenaline. I, I passed out forever. And then and then I go to that race that next day, and, you know, Nax is there. They got their semi, and, you know, I, th- I can't remember who they had racing cross-country at the time, but they had a couple guys there and stuff, and and – John Pellin from ATV scene and I became pretty good friends through this, my whole career, him and I were like, John always loved me. And John and I always had, we'd do things and have crazy adventures. And he was always around and always kind of promoting me shamelessly for no reason. I don't know why, but him and I just got, I kind of clicked and sure. He's, I mean, if anybody, anybody who knows John knows his love of the sport and he yeah. would, do anything for the sport to make it grow, you know, and back in the, you know, back when he was such a staple at that period too. Right. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like ATV scene was where you went to get your information on anything, you know, cause all the web stuff just started and that was where you went, you know, before ATV riders, before, you know, before Harlan or anything, John was the guy, you know, he was, he was the guy at a motocross national that would be standing in the middle of the middle of the track with a point and shoot digital camera that you'd have to swerve to miss you're trying to get a shot and you're like dude what are you doing he's like i gotta get close because <laughs> my, my camera's only 1.2 megapixels you know he's out there in the middle of the, I'm like dude i had to swerve around you in the middle of a race and he's like well you didn't hit me did you I'm like, oh my god like, come on john oh my gosh so i i show up there and you know and, and john's like hey can you uh you know i want to go to all the nationals but i don't have the money i'm like you know all these races and not the money can i, can I you know kind of worked out a deal like he's going to tag along with me we're kind of going to road trip together out of this box van for all these races and stuff. So, okay. So I picked him up at the airport and we go there and he's like going to kind of document this whole thing. And that way <laughs> cover all the races and all this stuff. So we go, go to the race. And that was the first year that GNCC, I think it might've been the only year they had the pro class and pro production. So they start pro production for basically it was like, I'd almost say like an XC2 kind of deal, but it sure. was, you know, you basically have two lines of pros. You had a pro, you know, aftermarket chassis class, and then you had a production class. Yep. And so we start that race. I've never raced a GNCC before, so I don't even know what to expect, you know, but it's in Florida and it's sand whoops and nice and wide. I go out and I think it about halfway through, three quarters of the way through, I was leading the race on time. Pellin's over there just fist pumping on the side of the track, all pumped up and, and, um, 
the owner of Cannondale, Mr. Montgomery, was actually at the event. And, okay. You know, he's over there all pumped up, and the Cannondale guys are all there because they're there with the Nax people. And, yeah. you know, it's the first big race for their team, so they're all there, and they're all pumped up because it's Cannondale winning the race. Yeah. You know, and I think on the last lap or so, or I might have just got the white flag, and I go between two trees and just stack the thing up and just oh. ram a tree, cartwheel. I'm, in, I'm flat out in the middle of the track, blocking the track. People are yelling, screaming at me. I'm all upside down, tied up in the trees. And Sure. I get, I get it out and I go take off and the frame is just twisted on it and it won't even, I couldn't even make, I, I can't remember if I want to go left or want to go right. It wouldn't turn one way at all. Oh my like, God. So if I wanted to make like a right turn, I had to do a left turn to circle around <laughs> to go to go to the right. And I wrote it back and they're all bummed out. They're all bummed out, but they were all pumped too. Cause they're like, Oh dude, you're winning. And well, they, they saw the potential bike. of the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're, you know, I'm like, Oh man, I told this bike, the frame's done on it. I got to get a frame. I'm like, how am I going to fix this thing? I'm like, Oh God, sign on my bike. I wrecked it. It's junk. I'm all panicked in there. Just like, Oh, that was so awesome. They're just, they're so elated. They're like, they're like, Hey, tell you what, if you bring that thing back to Pennsylvania, we'll frame it out for you. And I'm like, really? And like, I'm like, dude, that's like a far drive. Like I barely got here on gas money. And they're like, well, you know what? If you come up, we'll frame it. It'll take us a day or two. We always have testing to do. You can do some testing for us and turn in your receipts. We'll cover your gas. We'll cover your hotel because you're doing testing for us and we'll swap it out. I'm like, oh, so wow. I go there, get a new frame for free and you're covering my expenses to get there and my hotel. I'm like, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, yeah, all right, I can do this. This saves me fuel basically for the next race and keeps me kind of busy and I get a ride in between the race. And at this time in ATVs, this is, again, this is unheard of at this time. So this is awesome for you. Yeah, it's awesome. So we go up there and we do some, I go do some testing. Pellin comes along with me, um, you know, cause he, he's, he, yeah, basically his ride. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You know, you're you're attached at the hip at this point. Yeah. So the whole time in the ride in the van, he, all I hear is the cube keyboard. You know, the whole time in the van, I'm just like, Oh my God. But he's over there, you know, trying to post things and writing stories for his website and everything. Yep. So I go up there and test. We meet all the people at the factory and the testing department and kind of get to know everybody that's there, that whole group, you know, and they, they frame that out. And, um, John Harriman that was kind of in charge, it's kind of like, I guess the GM or something, or kind of in charge of a lot of stuff, you know, he's like, you guys are awesome. You know, thanks for everything you guys are doing, blah, blah, blah. You know, do you guys want a mountain bike? And John and I are like, what? He's like, yeah, he gives us, a, he throws down a catalog, you know, their candle catalog is like, hey, you guys pick out a mountain bike. You guys are here helping us out doing testing and stuff. You know, John, you're writing all these stories for us, you know, for, you know, promoting Cannondale and, showing what's going on and all this stuff, you know, you, you know, you guys pick one out, just take one. John, wow. like, like seriously, like these bikes are like five grand. Yeah. So, we're, so we're like, okay, we want this bike. And they're like, Hey, you know, um, these bikes are all custom built, right? Kind of, you know, like you guys, cause we like saw the whole, they walked through the whole bicycle factory and like, sure. Like, yeah, you know, we paint them this and then they go over here and they get these parts. Like, can we get us, can we get a bike a different color? And like this sure thing. So John and I get these bikes that are like one-off bikes. They're like a color. It's like, we want this color of bike with these components. Like they give us these two bikes. So we have these two Cannondale one-off bikes, you know. Oh my gosh. And, but, you know, they, and I think about that time, I think John got hurt. John was doing a lot of testing for him. John got hurt. I, 
can't remember if he got hurt testing for them or what happened, but he stopped testing. I can't remember the whole story behind that. Okay. Um, but they kind of need a test guy. So they're like, Hey, you know, can you come back and do some more testing for us? And I'm like, sure. You know I mean? And for anybody that thinks testing quads is fun, it's not, <laughs> it's absolutely not. Go to, go to Pennsylvania and ride a quad for three hours have to write, I should say, have to write a quad for three hours in February. Yeah, it's oh, not yeah. fun. No, it's free, freezing cold, almost snowing, you know, muddy. And like, okay, we need to put time on this, you know, part, you know, go out and ride it for two or three hours, come in and pit, and we'll send you back out, you know. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. so that year, I we came probably went over there six or seven, eight times throughout the year, okay, for like, for like a week, and I would. I would, I would basically, they'd pay for my fuel to get there, pay for my hotel and I would, and I would test, you know, and basically if I wasn't, I can't remember if they were paying me a little bit, but it wasn't much to test, but they were covering the expenses. And that was the biggest thing for me that year is I was doing so much traveling that like, okay, I turned in my receipts. Okay. It was that paid for that paid for my fuel to and from a race and gave me somewhere to ride, gave me somewhere to like train basically on a bike that wasn't mine. Right. Well, yeah, to have that affiliation with the brand had to be yeah. a huge thing too. And I think that, you know, people probably have a certain taste in their mouth. Like when they think of Cannondale dirt bikes and ATVs, um, but Cannondale, the brand is, is, you know, a big gnarly, like awesome bike brand. So, I mean, yeah, yeah like that's a big deal. Yeah. And, and I, and I got to know, you know, the guys in the testing department, the guys in the engine development department. I mean, I got to know all those people really, really well that year. And it was, it was an awesome, awesome experience, you know, doing, getting to do all that that year. But I mean, the, the ATVs were keeping them alive at the time and that they were, I mean, they were, they were hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. Like yeah. you cannot believe it on stuff. I mean, it was, it was crazy. You know, I mean, they had the next team going and all that stuff. And I mean, they were, they were definitely out there trying to do good. The quads were kind of keeping going. Dirt bikes were just doing. That was a mess. Yeah. That was a mess. Uh, you know? Um, but I mean, that thing unfortunately kind of came, the, came to an end. I had to be at the end of that year. Yeah. Just, they got, they got bought out by somebody and got all restructured and they just shut down the quad, shut down the bikes. That whole, that whole motorsports division got shut down. Yeah, which is really, really unfortunate, you know. Um, they had some new stuff they were working on that was better, you know, but it's just I think it was too many issues that people people were kind of getting a bad taste in their mouth. People would get bikes they wouldn't run, or they yeah, a little, you know. I got I got pretty lucky, and everything that I ever got from them or had, I never had an issue with. Fortunately, you know, but we never. We never built motors. I think we put pipes on stuff and map stuff, but we yep. never, we never really got too much into motor tuning or anything on those things. And they ran pretty good for what they were. And yeah, you know, but that, that GNCC season, man, that was a long one. That was <laughs> that that definitely. If you're a moto guy and you just kind of think uh, GNCC guys, they just go out and go through the woods. Go out and ride one. It's it's the that definitely gave me a lot of respect for those guys like i was like oh i got there i can get a top 10 top 20 no problem and i mean i was miles behind those guys (laughs) i don't think that bike helped any but Mm -hmm. it's a total different thing when you got to run that hard between those trees for that long it's like florida i did real good and then after that it just got i I swear the tracks got narrower and narrower as they went on and by the end of the season the last race i was like 
get me out of here. Like, yeah, I anything to do with GNCC. People love it, but I am a moto guy. I am not a GNCC guy at all. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing this again. Right. Yeah, it's it's cool to hear about that whole period in time, the the Cannondale and all that stuff. Uh, like you said, I think that some people locked out because uh, my dad, Jansen Motorsports or Jansen Racing at the time, was a was a Cannondale dealer, and uh, there's some guys to this day that like still have them. You know, and that yeah. that swear by them or whatever. But it's cool to hear about that. So uh, if that was what two oh oh three? That was yeah. That that, that was two that that was two thousand. No, that was two thousand two. Okay, yeah, because yeah, then so. then the next year would have been the when the pro production thing started, yeah. right? Because yeah, then once you have been on a Z four hundred the next year. Yeah. So what happened with that was. I got a call from Laz at GT Cycles. Okay. Um, the, and towards the end of the year. And Pellin was doing, that was the first year of the ATV 12 Hours America. Ford okay. Dodge. Okay. And he call, okay. calls me and says, hey, I, I, I want to see if you want to run this race. You know, um, I got a, I'm getting a brand new Z400. Um, I want to see if you want to run this race this first year on it. And I got Johnny Gallagher and I can't remember the other kid's name right now. I got another kid and you guys can be a team. I'll build the bike brand new, you know, brand new Z 400 guys can be the, one of the first people out there to ride this thing and race this race on. I'm like, sweet. I'll have to tear up my own bike. I'll, I'm in, you know, I'll go race this race. It's, it's a race for Pellin helps him, you know, him and I are buddies. Like I'll go out and race his race, helps him out. I got a team. I don't have to, does it cost me any money? Right. You know, all this, this whole time I'm like, I don't have, I'm just like floating from race to race basically, you know, um, my parents are helping me out a little bit, but I mean, it's pretty much, I'm, I'm skating by the whole mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, all right, we'll go ride this Z 400. So we show up at the race. Joe and I ride it a little bit before the race is kind of get a feel for it just around the pits and stuff. And I think we ended up getting third at that race. And like everybody's, I think, I think Walsh and I can't remember who else is on his team. We got third, but they were on, on hybrids and we're on a Z 400. That's pretty much stock. <laughs> you know, on this, on this 12 hour race and, and Johnny and I end up, the kid that rode with us rode like Johnny and I would do like five or six laps. We'd be out there for like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Kid, the other kid gets on and goes like two laps or a lap. Okay. He's like, okay, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. You guys switch. So John and I end up running like out of 12 hours. I think we both rode like six. Okay. I was just smoked and I'm, but I was like, that thing was pretty good. And that was like the last race of the season went from there. And I drove home, you know, and the, and the album relationship had grown quite a bit by then, you know, and that Z 400 came out and they're like, Hey, you know, Cannondale's going away. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to go back race nationals. We're going to have pro production at nationals next year. Um, you know, and the pro and you know, you can kind of see the right on the wall. I think, I think Honda might've had this, the 400 EX, but you kind of everybody kind of had this feeling like something was coming, I think. Okay. And you could really right. tell, you know, the production stuff with Cannondale now the Z 400, you know, all the stuff in the dirt bikes, Honda was building the CRF. Now um, they kind of like, you kind of this feeling like everything had this momentum going mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. can kind of tell like that was going to be the way of the future. Yep. So I talked to Corey about it. I'm like, Hey, you know, I want to, you know, I want to ride that Z's out. There's a pro production class. I think it's going this way. I really want to, you know, get ahead of this and, and, you know, let's, let's do this. If we're going to do it, let's, let's do it full tilt. You know, so he's like, okay, I'll give you 
three Z400s, they're, they're the shops. I'll give you three Z400s a ride. I'll, we'll build on the motors. You know, you take them back, race the nationals, ride pro, ride pro production. I'm like, I'll ride pro production on them. And I go, I'll ride pro on them. You know, I, I go, I felt really strongly that's, you know, going to be the way of the future. Let's, let's just go out and run the thing. Cause I go, you know, maybe next year there is no pro class. You know, if there's no pro class, we've got more time on this thing. It's we'll figure it out and we'll make it work. So I rode stadium races. I think that might've been the last year of the state stadium races. No, okay. cause we did, we know we did, we went longer, we know five. So that year at stadium races, I rode a Z 400 Dana. I think Timmy got hurt and didn't race. Dana rode his CRF. I think he had and Dana just, I might've won a race or two maybe, but Dana just killed me because I'm on a Z400 and he's on a CRF. Right, right. You know? I, mean, I was literally going to ask you, that had to feel like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, you know, and and before the season started, I already committed to riding this thing in pro and yeah. pro production at nationals. And I'm just like, oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> you know, so I got three bikes from them. I raced stadium races. I go to race nationals. I got this box van, this... I got three Z400 stood up in the back of, I show up and I start racing the nationals and it was all I could do to keep one of those bikes running. Like oh, I had, man. I had one stripped down to like pretty much a bare frame by halfway through the season, like after like two or three races, the other one, I think I, I think I had the motor out of it or something, you know, I was just trying to keep one bike going. Yeah. And we got about half of the races and my, my dad, my dad, I was going, by, by myself to the races that year and my dad is like what are, like what are you doing and i'm just like he's like you're getting your ass kicked out there like in the pro class i'm like i know i'm riding a freaking z400 against hybrids i'm just mm-hmm. getting smoked yeah he's like he's like he's like you need to you need to get off that off that thing at least in the pro class just get off that thing go out because you're not, not helping yourself so i'm like i i was that year lone star <clears throat> i got all the parts from lone star for that z400 they um they gusted the frames everything for me and got all the parts and everything and and butler was working there which had worked at lagers you know originally when i was working there at lagers so scott and i were pretty close he he you know he was and actually he kind of started wrenching for me a little bit um at the nationals kind of like halfway through this actually in 2000 this was 2003 so 2002 he was wrenching he wrenched for me for a little bit okay um, as well so at the national at the at the mx nationals so um so i called scott and i'm like scott i need a boat i need like i still had my legger bike but i wanted to do a lone star because it was all lone star stuff and i go scott i need a bike and at the time i had a cr i bought a crf 450 just to ride for a dirt bike for fun sure and and he's and he and he goes all right well let me see what i can do he calls dan the owner of lone star and he goes he goes all right We'll have you. We'll have you a bike. We'll have you all the parts. We'll ship it to Wayne's the PEPs. We'll have all the parts for you in, in a week and a half. Okay. Like, what? So they built me a CRF bike for a week and a half. So I pulled apart my dirt bike, put this whole bike together. We got it all built. I think I rode it once or twice, and we went to. Uh, shoot, it was in Indiana. I can't remember the name of that place now. Okay. But there was, uh, I think it was Indiana, or it was either Indiana or oh, I Illinois. was it Iowa or Illinois? Uh, Lincoln Trail, Iowa, Lincoln, yes, Trail? Lincoln Trail, yeah, yeah, okay. So I showed up on Lincoln Trail riding the Z400 in the production class, 
and the hybrid in the pro class. And I think I got like a third or fourth, like I think I battled the Jeremiah. Like I, I finished off the podium, I battled the Jeremiah like most of the race, but at that time he had to have a 440 <clears throat> and that dirt bike was a 450. Right. Well, I didn't, I didn't have time to do anything. So we just threw the motor in there. I'm like, Oh, we're going to run it. Yeah, it's kind of like normally we, we didn't do stuff like that, but like, I don't need time. So this is what right. it is. If we get tore down, we get tore down. Yep. So we ran at that race and that then we ran at that race. And then um, we, I think after that race, we had like a, like a three week or four week break between that and high point. So I ran that race, got, did pretty good on it. So like, okay, after that race, we already had plans. We had the, the D the D stroke coming forward, everything. We pulled the motor out. We deep, we were in a D stroke it for high point. Um, so we got the motor, tore the motor out, D stroked it, didn't touch it at all. Just put D stroke kit in it. Cause that's kind of all we had time to do. What you had to do. Yeah. So after Lincoln trail, Pellin calls me. It's like, Hey, um, I'm going to a Yamaha, a Yamaha PR event in, in California. Do you want to be my test rider for the event? Because I, because I, because I think it's going to be something really good. You know, like, like, okay, Suzuki came out, Yamaha's coming out with something, you know, and like at the time, you know, or Yamaha still, you know, every time they make, come out with something, you know, whether it be the, the four, the 400 dirt bike, you know, now you look back or, you know, the, 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 the YZ 450, yeah. or the you know the 450 quad or whether it be a rhino or whatever every time they came out something it was like it was innovative it was yeah. very innovative very ahead of its time yep so it was like oh man if they're coming out with something it has to be good especially <laughs> with the dirt bike you know that they launched that and all this stuff so like all right i'll be your test rider okay so so after lincoln trail we show up there and they they launched that quad you know and i gotta be you know his guy at the media event one of the first people to ride that quad you know, I met all the Yamaha guys there. Um, kind of, if you back up a little bit, the testing department called me a couple of years earlier than that and met me out at a track and they wanted to ride my hybrid and they rode it and kind of, oh, yeah, it's cool. You know, it's, it's not bad. And kind of didn't say too much and all right. And never heard anything from them again. All right. Well, that's, you know, okay. the time there's always time. There's always rumors that, you know, so-and-so sent a bike to Honda and had this built and Cowie did this and, Sure. Honda or Yamaha has, uh, you know, so when, when we, for that press release, we kind of knew they had an idea what was going on and there's gonna be something good, but we showed up there and it's, you know, the bike that it was and it was, you know, light years better than that Suzuki. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they, they weren't even in the same category. Yeah. We kind of go from a trail bike kind of to, exactly. a, to more yep. of a race bike, you know? So it was like, Oh my God, this thing is awesome. And yeah. Know, Pellin, Pellin being Pellin. He's all pumped. Oh, this thing is the, the, the best thing ever. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'll write a story about this. And then you know, he's like, he needs the kind of the big internet media guy at the time. Yeah. You know? and so oh yeah. Like, he's the kingpin. So the, so we ride these things. And then at the end of the, end of the, end of riding them all, they go, okay. So they tell all the media guys, all right. So here's the bike and all this stuff. And they go, and to top it all off, they go, these bikes are for you. You got media guys to take home. They go. This is a production bike, and we're shipping the dealers. To, we're shipping the dealers next week or whatever, like within a week or something. They're like, they're okay. like, we have production done. It's going out the door. Dealers are going to have them before the end of the month. Oh and these my. bikes, and they're all these bikes. You guys can take with you right now if you have a way to. I think they might have told them before, like be prepared to take something home with you or whatever. But they're like, yeah, these are your guys' media bikes. Take them. 
do, oh do, my gosh. do what you want with them. So Pell, you know, Pell and, Pell and I are like, oh my God, let me get this bike. Like, this is a perfect pro production bike. Like I call, you know, Scott just, I, I, I kind of felt bad because Scott and Dan just built me this hybrid bike like a month earlier and like within a week or so. Yeah. Got me all the parts to build it. So we like, I'm like, Scott, like I got this bike. We need to get this bike ready. Like, you know, he's like, well, what is it? You know, we're telling about it and all stuff. So I think they, I think I got the bike. I think I met him at Wayne's maybe or somewhere. And he took the bike back to Lone Star and they built a front end for it, built an axle for it. And I think maybe a steering stem. I can't remember what exactly. I had to go back with the picture, see what was on the bike, but it okay. had some parts on it. And Wayne and, and Wayne built the shocks off of just what they told them on the specs. And Wayne never even saw the bike, I don't think, other than dropping off it originally. Okay. And and then um, one of the guys from Arizona was coming to High Point. And he hauled it out for High Point. So I mean, it was when it showed up at High Point. I had never even rode the bike before, other than the stock bike. Like I didn't know how the shocks were going to work. I didn't know how the front end was going to work. Like yeah. You know, we just threw a. I think we might have had a GYTR pipe on it. That we threw on it or something, you know, just because that was that was. I mean, the bike came out three. Uh, the launch was three weeks. Before. There, yeah, there was no, there's no parts developed for this thing yet yeah. at that time. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a that's a a big part of the the pioneer part still. Like again, like you're really leading the charge on a lot of these uh, on a lot of these stages of ATV racing. Corey, what do you say? So. Uh, so we've been talking for two hours almost. There's a, ton, <laughs> there's a ton of the story left. Do you want to just hit pause on this thing now and then like do a a, a, a second episode of this thing? Because we're probably only halfway through. To be continued. What an epic conversation and we're only halfway through. Next week, you'll hear all about Corey Ellis debuting Yamaha's new YFZ450 in 2003, winning nationals in 2004, riding for Factory Suzuki, managing Factory Suzuki, and so much more. Major thanks to tonight's featured guest, Mr. Corey Ellis. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to our donors like Justin Branham. Remember, you can find those donation links on our website. We appreciate those who have so graciously donated so much. Thanks to our partners, CSD Tires, shop.csdtires.com, Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website, and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back national champ merch, and more are all available today at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. Keep sending your questions, stories, and topics in to be featured on an upcoming episode, and don't hesitate to call into our voicemail line with them so we can play it on the show. That number is 920-569-3519. 
Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATBMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, coverage, and more fun stuff throughout the offseason. As for the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATBMX Podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links, and discount codes, our show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Be a friend, tell a friend. Please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Corey Ellis, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen, thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, 3 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. See you next week. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quadlers are freaking nice.